And welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional from Athens, Greece, Zoe Fragu. Zoe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a real honor. Thank you. Zoe is an organizational psychologist and a business coach. She's a mentor for women on top. Her PhD research is mainly focused on the psychometrics of the corporate culture. And in 2021, Zoe was voted as the best career coach in the Global Coaching Conference. Zoe, before we talk about coaching, tell me a little bit about your own journey. Okay, well, I am from a small town in Greece, mm-hmm. and uh, growing up, uh, I had a lot of different kinds of ambitions. I really liked art, which is very much in our culture here, but at the same time, I was pretty good at school, so I didn't know exactly what I'm supposed to do with it, and then I decided that psychology made sense for me, since I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, because basically, I wanted to become better at listening to other people, since mm-hmm. everyone was always saying that I'm really good at talking. So I started studying psychology, but again, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with it. So I also started working immediately. The moment I turned 19, I started working. So I worked for a team building company. Then I worked for an events company. Then I worked for an HR company. And then I started understanding that something more business oriented made more sense for me. Mm-hmm. And I started reading on my own. I developed the whole part of organizational psychology. And then I realized that maybe that's the real in for me. So I have to say that although many people knew their calling very soon in life, I'm not one of those people. Okay. It took me a lot of time and a lot of trial and error and a lot of experimenting. Mm-hmm. And if anything, something that I always say to all the young people I mentor today is that don't be afraid of experimenting. That's mm-hmm. the only way you can know what suits you and what doesn't suit you. Mm-hmm. And always doubt. Even now that I've been doing it for many years and it's going well and it really suits me and I'm really happy. I'm always saying, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I can do something else tomorrow. Who knows? Mm -hmm. We live so many years now, you know, we afford to change. Correct. Correct. But, you know, given the fact that you did so many different things and you found your calling, as you said, what made you decide to become a coach? For sure, I'm uh, good at it. (laughs) So when you say, because it has to do with that as well. Mm. I think that it was a little bit of, what am I good at? Mm. What I like doing? What does the market need? Mm. So when I put all these three areas together and combine them, mm-hmm. uh, this was the best thing for me that made mm. the most sense. At the same time, I was always good at talking to people and understanding them and uh, being empathetic, but not in the sense that I pity them or that I you know, patronize in the sense that I can actually connect mm. and I care. I care. I really care. Every person Mm. I coach and every person I mentor, I go deep into their lives. Mm. It's not a superficial process for me that is just happening. I I feel a big sense of responsibility when I decide to work with someone. Mm. And it came pretty naturally. First, I started working as an HR director in Mm -hmm. a uh, company, and I was then developed in a group of companies here in Greece. Mm. And it came very naturally. Mm -hmm. I started being also the internal consultant for all these people in the group. And then I said, okay, maybe I should be doing the same thing for uh, more people. Mm. So it was very organic again. Mm. Very interesting. And, you know, given the fact that you're a business coach, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the common challenges that a lot of business owners or business leaders face today 
and how do you help them overcome these challenges? Hmm. Well, depending on the period, they're different. But at the moment, what I'm really struggling with is I've hit my bottleneck, which means that I'm really close to burnout. And I'm, because I'm also a burnout expert, so I'm saying, if I get burnout, will they still call me to talk about burnout? Mm. It's crazy. I, I don't know how to scale, basically. And the reason is that it's not like I can hire someone and my clients will say, okay, let's mm. uh, have this person as a coach or they hire me as a speaker. And then they say, yeah, okay, bring us your uh, employee. It doesn't go like that. Therefore, that's the biggest struggle. And uh, what I found so far that helps me scale is um, I've turned most of my products into services. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's easier for me to delegate. I can, let's say, uh, break every single product into a lot, a lot, a lot of little pieces. Mm -hmm. So I can delegate most of those pieces and I can keep for myself exactly the ones that I really can't delegate, mm -hmm. like the final part of the speech. But uh, I work with some girls. I have an amazing uh, video editor who really helps me you know, uh, with my videos. And mm -hmm. I have a graphic designer. She's also helping me a lot. And my right hand, my full-time assistant, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm really lucky to have her. It mm. went. We went through a lot of our relationship. I had to train her and I had to be patient because it's her first job also. Mm. But right now, she can really help me so much. Mm. So I guess, again, something I'd like to say is that when you trust someone with your work mm. and it's the first time you trust someone with your work, of course, there's going to be mistakes. Mm. So you need to be patient and train them. Mm. And then what you get getting from them is amazing. Well said. You just mentioned that you are a burnout expert. So let me ask you a couple of questions on burnout. How do you define the word burnout? And how does someone recognize that they are reaching a stage of burning out? Well, burnout is for stars um, a term that has to do with work-related stress mm -hmm. that has been around for too long and we didn't do anything to manage it. Mm. So we should be able for starts to separate burnout from mm. just stress because Correct. stress I might have for anything and it might be just one moment or one day, like I have mm. a surgery tomorrow, mm. and depression because depression is also a clinical situation. Well, burnout mm. is, I would say, a combination of symptoms, but it's not a clean diagnosis. However, if burnout is left untreated, it might become depression. And mm. that's why it's very important to deal with it. Hmm. So burnout has a lot of stages, around 12 stages. It's not from the beginning a total corruption of my physical and emotional bandwidth. Hmm. In the beginning, it starts by being more cynical, hmm. by uh, not getting any happiness from my job anymore, hmm. by cutting off my support group and taking a lot of distance from my friends and from my hmm. colleagues. And basically, depersonalization, that's something that has to do with Treating other people like they're not really people, but just means to, to another cause or yeah, something mm. like this. Mm. So yeah, it has stages. Mm. And but for at my, the end, yeah, please go ahead, go ahead, please. I would say that in the end, it ends up uh, resembling a lot with depression, mm. where we have a person that literally can't stand up from the bed, and they usually doesn't go to suicidal thoughts, mm. but everything else wow. like lack of self worth. Uh, imagine a person that just doesn't have any energy to do anything at all. Hmm. And for my viewers and listeners, Zoe, can you give an example of how you helped someone without any names, of course? Uh, in burnout recovery. In burnout. In burnout. Okay. The, the, the most tricky part 
is to recognize it because like I said, in the first stages, burnout doesn't look like uh, burnout. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I help them identify that these symptoms that they're experiencing, Mm -hmm. that might be that they get agitated or that they're very tired or that they, for example, uh, don't have any patience with people that normally they used to have patience. This can be the beginning of burnout. Mm -hmm. And very recently, I had a client who, in my opinion, of course, is burnout mm-hmm. and is getting 100% burnout. Mm-hmm. But how it's expressed in him in these early stages is that basically he acts like he's the smartest of everyone and that mm-hmm. he has no time and space for everyone and that everyone is eating up his time and that, you know, uh, he's accusing them for his own obsession with work. Mm-hmm. And he's saying this very easy excuse that if everyone was doing an amazing job, then I wouldn't have to think about it in the weekend mm-hmm. and I could go and live my life. And I was telling him, okay, but what about before you hired this one person, for example, mm-hmm. before? Did you play on weekends? Did you go and do the movies? He said, well, I was always very works-oriented. Okay, so it's not really the other person's fault then. Mm-hmm. The fact that you are a little bit too obsessed with work. Correct. Therefore, the trickiest part is to identify. And then once they identify, the trickiest part is the mindset shift. Because burnout is not like schizophrenia. There are no medicine for it. Mm-hmm. You have to do a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You have to do a mindset shift. You have to dive in and, and realize all the factors that led to you being burnout and change them. Mm-hmm. And that's always tricky. You know, change easier said than done. And almost no one wants to change themselves. My biggest, I would say, complaint from all the clients is, not even once I had a new coaching client that ended our relationship and started by, I need to change this. It's always my wife needs to change, my boss needs to change, <laughs> everyone else needs to yes. change. Very familiar, very, very familiar. Thank you for the great response. And when you talk about uh, working with someone who's close to 100% burnout, uh, what is the process that you follow? Is there a lot of conversations? Because you said there is no medication involved. Yeah. For starts, it depends a lot of the person. The thing is that there are people that talking about the traumatic situation that caused them to burn out, mm-hmm. uh, that's helpful for them because they vent and they release it and then they can move on. But mm-hmm. then there are a lot of other people that they need to be more results focused. And talking about this thing just makes them, re- in a sense, relieve the vicious cycle mm-hmm. of pathogeny. Therefore, the first and the hardest part for me is to understand what kind of a person this is. Mm. Is this the kind of person that they just need to talk and then it's going to be over and we can move to results? Or Mm. do I need to cut it immediately and say, okay, stop, stop complaining now, stop Mm. whining. Let's, Mm. it's your life and let's see what we're going to do with your life. Mm. So I would say that, but for sure, the common ground in both cases is that Every person I work with, they need to understand that their mental health is an active choice and it's their responsibility. Mm-hmm. They might not be necessarily at fault for what happens to them mentally, mm-hmm. but managing the situation is their responsibility because no one else can do it for you. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, mental health, it is an active choice that I need to make every single day. Every single right. day I wake up and they say, what's going to help me today? Mm-hmm. That, is it going to help me hit snooze for four times? Or... Is it going to help me to just stand up, get it over with and go shower and Mm. do what I have to do? Mm. Every single decision that I'm making, if I want to be mentally healthy, it needs to be under this scope. Mm. Does it help me? Doesn't it help me? Mm. Well said. Well said. So now moving on to coaching, uh, Zoe, given your amazing background and all the amazing things that you are doing, I wanted to ask you, how has all the, the things that you've done in the past 
how has your background supported your own coaching philosophy your style and your values well like i said it makes me more empathetic and more patient because i do realize that if it has it has been such a tricky journey for me to realize my calling and what suits me and i i, I still change my mind it's a very mm. dynamic process my career mm. i don't treat my career as something that it happened it's over that's it i'm only building towards that direction and as a person i really love diversifying i try mm. to see careers more of like playgrounds instead mm. of ladders Mm-hmm. So in a sense, like today, I'm going to do a little bit of this and tomorrow a little bit of this. And then it all creates an image that bonds together. Mm-hmm. So for starts, I do realize more that and I kind of push my my coaches towards that direction as well. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be one, basically. It took a lot of time for me mm-hmm. uh, to realize that being multidimensional and being, being complex is a power. Mm-hmm. And now that I know that it's a power and that it really helps you put less burden in every little thing that you're doing, that means you're more relaxed and it's easier for you to be successful in all these areas. Mm. That's the message that I'm spreading. Mm. Balance your inner identities. Mm. The more you balance your inner identities and the more complex you are and the more multidimensional, the Mm. healthier and the more successful you get. Mm. And think of an example. Let's say that tomorrow you have a bad day at job. Okay, you yourself. And your job is your life. There's nothing else. Mm. Can I understand how bad you're going to feel and how awful it's going to be for you that you did bad in this one thing that's your entire life? Mm. But at the same time, imagine that you're doing your job, but you're also a parent and you're also a husband and you also have a lot of friends and uh, you're really good at sailing and you enjoy art. So if one of those things doesn't do well one day, you still have all the others to Mm. self-identify with. And all those other things, they help you say, mm. okay, I did bad here, but everything else is good. So mm. I'll take it from here and build on. Mm. Fascinating. My next question to you, uh, Zoe, is about, you know, how people have shaped you uh, in your life. Most of us have got people who influence us in our lives. So my question is, how have some people shaped and influenced you uh, as a coach today? Mm. For starters, I have to say that I got completely different messages from the men in my life than from the mm. women in my life. Okay. And I think that gender plays always a role, especially okay. in patriarchal societies. And Greece is a very strongly patriarchal society. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that uh, for men, I learned that no one will judge you based on uh, how the distance you've covered, but only based on how far you've come. Mm. And therefore, I became tougher and stricter with myself. And then from the women, I've learned the importance of giving back. Mm. Because when I was really young, I was surrounded by women that didn't help me. Mm. And now I do understand why they didn't help me. Because, you know, it's such a competitive society, especially for women, and the resources are limited. But I also realized that it's my responsibility to stand up and stop that. Mm. And me, myself, I really try to give to all the young girls that I'm meeting right now. And Mm. I I give them every single bit of information that if I had when I was younger, it Mm. would have made a difference. Mm. Therefore, I have to say that it really changed me. It made me people in my life and the people I've encountered, especially in professional relationships. Mm. They've made me uh, change as a coach and as a mentor and as a person Mm. and develop even new values, Mm. like the value of mentorship, Mm. like I share like now. Very interesting. Another question that is often asked by a lot of coaches is that how do they evaluate if their coach is good? What are your thoughts? Okay. 
my thoughts is that if it helps you, don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. If it's functional. And the thing is that when I was younger, I was very judgmental. Mm-hmm. I have a clinical license in psychology as well. So I'm a psychologist. I was actually working in the psychiatric hospital of Athens. Mm-hmm. And back in that day, if someone told me, for example, oh, you know what really helps me is, uh, I don't know, reflexology or uh, name any kind of s- softer science, let's say that's not 100% scientific. I would be right. like, oh my God, no, you need to find a psychologist who has a clinical license. This is not scientific. But mm. today, whatever works, if it helps you, not everyone can stand everything. And psychotherapy, especially, is such a deep process that before it starts getting better, it gets so much worse. Mm. And not everyone has the defense mechanisms to support that. Right. Therefore, if it helps you, if it works, if it's functional, and if you feel a connection with the coach, mm-hmm. because what I've seen and from my own coaching journey, like mm-hmm. when I was like a, a, the client, is that many, many times, most of the times I have to say, we reached the plateau where the coach projected their own limitations on me as a coachee. Mm-hmm. And that's a good sign that it's time for you to go. When they tell you, no, you can't do that, or this is too much, or you mm. need to ground yourself, maybe they're projecting. Go, go find someone who treats you like a skyrocket who's about to, you know, fly. Mm. Very interesting. Uh, you also say, Zoe, that, you know, you are a mentor for women on top. Uh, two questions. One is, how do you handle the differences between coaching and mentoring. And second is mentor for women on top. Tell me more about what you do. Okay, I'll start with the second first. And uh, Women on Top is a feministic organization that tries to bring equality in the workspace. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm a mentor in Women on Top and in various other organizations and a lot of universities also here in Greece. I give a lot of time to students because I really believe that basically... Like I said, it's my responsibility, I have to say. And uh, the difference between mentorship and coaching is that coaching usually might be a different industry, a different age, whatever. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to mentorship, it's usually young people that want to follow in my steps and they would Mm -hmm. like a career as coaches or a career as psychologists. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I can move into more practical advice. Mm -hmm. Like you need to do this kind of studies and not this kind of program. And let's evaluate together this choice. Mm. Therefore, usually mentorship has to do with uh, similarities in uh, industry as well. Correct. Correct. Well said. My next question is on culture. You know, uh, you did speak about Greece being a patriarchal society. You must have come across a lot of people who say, let my work do my talking. Why should I speak about what I'm doing? My question is, how does culture impact you as a coach? National culture? Culture, families that we come from, national culture. There's so many different mm-hmm. aspects of culture. Yeah, a lot. Uh, it it defines me so much that my PhD is in culture, in corporate Absolutely. culture. Yeah. So I really believe that we are a lot defined by the environments in which mm-hmm. we grow. Mm-hmm. And especially in Greece, well, it's a tough environment, especially for young people and young entrepreneurs. And I see like, all these young people struggling and it's very hard for them to find an opportunity. Greece is getting there, but it's mm-hmm. not there yet. You know? mm-hmm. So it's difficult. And therefore I think that uh, all the young people that we live here and sometimes some, somehow it's our choice to remain in Greece mm-hmm. while we, we could have left, 
mm. move somewhere else because that's also very often. Correct. Uh, I think that we're a bit of fighters. We have mm. a lot of survival instincts that kick in and they make us more, I have to say, I don't know, street smart in a mm-hmm. way that agile, we need to adapt. We need to find a way to do that and we need to do more. There's always a voice inside me that says it's not enough. You need to do more, more, mm. more. Mm. You never know. You can never be safe. You need to Correct. do more. And I think that that drives me a lot. And that's similar for a lot of people that come mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. cultures where there is inequality. And yeah. Well said. So I have time for two more questions. My next question is on the young leaders, you know, the millennials and the Gen Zs who are now getting into positions of influence in most organizations. And I've often said, I'm from the boomers generation. I've often said that the young are bringing in a breath of fresh air into most organizations, breath of fresh air, new thinking. My question to you as a coach is, what are some of the areas you think these young leaders need to be coached in? Okay, I think boundaries, mm-hmm. because uh, they come, especially Gen Z's, they come from a generation that had the best caretakers ever, right. and they really, really learned how to prioritize their needs mm and how to prioritize other people's needs. And they're more empathetic as a generation. And they really, these are stuff that I really like about them. And I really believe we live in a Gen Z world right now. I'm really mm-hmm. happy about them joining the, the workforce because they do bring values that are important, like speaking up about mental health and mm-hmm. speaking, out of, uh, speaking up about inequality. But at the same time, I think that when it comes to the mindset of team and corporate culture and organizational commitment, and we all need to work together in order to achieve something bigger. Mm. I think that they're a little bit more individualistic and they need to be coached into understanding the importance of that part as well. Mm. That well, there, is a, there is a balance, like you need to, to, to maintain your individualism, but at mm. the same time, it's important to understand group dynamics and create a vision that inspires everyone. Mm. And my last question to you, Zoe, and this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your own amazing journey and you know uh, all the great work that you have been doing, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from all your knowledge and from our conversation? Okay. The first one that uh, I always try to spread because I really believe in it is stop starting, start finishing. And by that, I mean that when you have a list of one million unfinished things, Mm. maybe it's not the right time to just Mm. put one more there and start committing more, putting more energy to things. That's the only way you're going to go deep and see the benefits from Mm. any activity Mm. or person or work. Mm. So that would be the first. Mm. Then the second would be uh, enough is enough with self-loathing. Life is hard and it's hard for everyone. Some mm. people hide it better and some people might be more lucky or more competent, but mm. don't go there. Don't focus on your own journey. Focus yeah. on yourself. That's the only way that's going to happen for you. Mm. And finally, I have to say that everything is a negotiation. Every single interaction mm. is a negotiation. And the person mm. that doesn't understand that, mm. they will never get what they want. Mm. Uh, they asked uh, Kennedy at one point uh, his uh, opinions about patience. And they said to him that, you know what? Great things come to those who wait. And he responded as, yeah, but only the things left behind by the ones that were hustling. (laughs) Well said. Well said. And on that note, Zoe, and your three amazing lessons, stop starting, start finishing. 
Second, you said was life is hard for everyone. Um, you know, focus on your journey. And the third one, which is so interesting, is everything is a negotiation. I love the example you gave me about Kennedy. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your journey. Thank you for speaking to me about coaching and burnout. I think that was such an amazing conversation a section we had on burnout. You know, I learned many, many new things about uh, burnout. And thank you again for speaking to me about millennials, the Gen Zs, and so many other aspects. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.